hi everyone. Um, thanks for joining the CEO class and welcome everyone. And CEO class is a global for impact initiative to inspire people about their personal goals and growth. And that's why we organize virtual fireside chat sessions with the greatest leaders worldwide and talk about their stories. So uh, today it is great that we have JJ as our guest. And hi, JJ. Uh, can you Hello. tell us a bit, yeah, a bit yourself and what do you do? Yeah, sure. So my name is JJ Englert. I live in upstate New York, uh, recently moved here. Previously, uh, I was in the film industry for about seven years. I was a filmmaker, producer, member of the Producers Guild, made feature films, commercials. Uh, about four years ago, I ran into a problem that I wanted to solve in the film industry, which was hiring. And so I built my first tech marketplace. Uh, and I got started as a non-technical founder where we built a team of engineers. We raised some money from angel investors, participated in uh, an accelerator in San Francisco. Um, and then we eventually got to the point mm. two years later where we still kind of, we ran out of money. And so that's when I started to learn how to build a no-code myself. Um, and for the last two years, I've been heads down building a no-code. Uh, now work full-time as a professional bubble developer. I also coach uh, bubble at the beginner, intermediate, and professional level at nights and weekends. I've also built the startup No Code Alliance, which is helping to pave the way for no code in the enterprise movement. And then I also run another startup called Jump Studios, which is a SaaS platform for the film industry. Uh, it's it's just really, really interesting uh, journey. As uh, because you are at the beginning, you are in the film industry, and then you start work on the local and and build a build a um, program by yourself as well. So, um, yeah. can you share more like um, how you start like this, make the decision to um, starting to to build something by yourself, and then like any any major difficulties you face. Yeah, I mean, it's I've I've learned uh, as, from being a CEO of like just from failing in so many ways, right? Like when mm -hmm. I first got started four years ago, I was looking to build a uh, a two sided marketplace, right? And I was looking for something pretty simple at the time, but it quickly ballooned into something where we're raising money and we're now putting this together. And I was so product focused in the sense that like I was just so amazed by technology. And what it could do rather than solving business problems right mm, and yeah. so it was a really hard journey of like oh we could fix everything with new features rather than well no let's listen to our customers let's really find the pain point here let's find a way to make sustainable revenue etc and mm. that was like the first two years of me being a ceo is learning that right like well oh our next feature launch could solve this until we eventually ran out of money and realized no no feature launch was going to solve that in fact, we needed sales and marketing and we needed a lot of other things to build this business, right? And so there's just a tremendous amount that I've learned essentially from failing as a CEO for many years that has kind of taught me to, you know, kind of lead the companies that I lead today as a CEO. Mm, that's cool. So so you mentioned about like um, at the beginning, you, you, you are very product focused. Um, yeah. Uh, focus on like creating features and and uh, maybe not very conscious on whether it is solving the customer problem, whether it is have the market needs. So how how you 
it is kind of like you need to change your mindset and change your your focus on like not just on the product and more need to learn about the customer. So can you share more about like your story, like how you change your mindset or any any um, special moment for you? So you, it makes you uh, you realize it is very important. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of moments and I, I, I think there was also a lot of moments where I kind of knew what I was supposed to be doing and I kind of ignored it because it wasn't the answer that I was looking for, right? Like, yeah. and this started really early on in my journey uh, with Industry Jump, my first startup and four years ago. Before I got started, I did product surveys and I sent about 200 to 300 of them, right? Yeah. And I got feedback and it was decent feedback, but I was really looking for the feedback that I wanted to see. And for mm. the feedback that wasn't as warm, I never really challenged that feedback. I never really found out why oh. it wasn't, you know, like, yeah. and so I was just looking at the things that I wanted to see and not actually like, well, what are the obstacles that I could run into here? And let's, let's figure that out now with all maybe mm. lesser negative feedback instead of just ignoring it and ignoring it and ignoring it. Right. Because, oh, well, a hundred people said it was good and only 20 people said this could be problematic. Well, you probably want to listen to those 20 people, right? Uh, yeah. Because we we need to know everything about our business before we start our business because that's how you, um, you know, save a lot of money and a lot of time uh, be figuring out before you even get into the trenches kind of thing. So um, I think that was a big part is like I, I a year or two into it, I kind of realized what I did then, right? And I mm -hmm. kind of tried to make up for it. Um, but I still was kind of following down that path of like, well, all right, when I'm listening to people, what is that feature that they need? And I kept thinking mm -hmm. features, features, right? And it took me a while to get out of that feature mindset of like, we don't need fancy tech. We don't need all these features. We need to solve your problems. Let's figure out how we can solve your problems. Mm -hmm. what, however, pet best, right? It doesn't need to be with technology. It just, whatever we could do to solve your problems and to get revenue in a sustainable mm. way would be big. And like another thing that I that I think I had a crutch early in the years is like we could just raise more money, right? We could raise more mm. money. We don't need revenue. We could raise money. And I mean that's that's not a good thing. You, you don't you don't want to be doing that because yeah. if you don't have revenue, you have no leverage. One, your business will die. And so then that forces you to raise money and investors want to see that you have revenue before you raise money. And it, you mm. just get into this really weird situation where it's not true for all startups, right? Like some startups just go that unicorn route, but for the most of the part, most of the time you need revenue. Uh, mm. And with revenue, you have the options to decide if you want to raise money or not. And if you don't raise money, you'll still be fine because you have revenue and you still kind of hold that leverage to yourself with the revenue. Whereas mm. not generating revenue, you, you, you kind of just force yourself down that angel VC route and you're at the mercy of them at that point and you're kind of taking the power away from yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And for actually before the sessions, we um, collect some some questions from from the participants. And one question is quite quite related to, to fundraising. And they want to know more like um you mentioned about um, um, raise money for the startup. Mm -hmm. So um, for for the um, 
audience maybe it is the they they want to start their their startup and and they they will be quite new in in the industry so if they don't have very strong network or they they don't know too much about fundraising so how they can can start or or can you share about your experience like um reach how to reach out the investor or, or yeah where is the starting point for that sure that's kind of how i was right i didn't know mm -hmm. about the investor world i didn't I, w I didn't have any connections to it i was a first-time ceo first-time technical ceo uh non-technical mm -hmm. technical ceo but in the tech industry and so i really had nothing there and so um i got really lucky in the sense that i met a really well-connected angel that wanted mm -hmm. to mentor me through the process. Uh, he liked kind of what I was doing and he liked who I was. And he was the one that kind of mentored me in the sense of, all right, here's what we need to do. We need to prepare these paperwork. We need to prepare mm -hmm. this. Oh, wait until we get to this stage, then we'll do this. And then when that happened, he was the one that made all the introductions for me and, and mm -hmm. really kind of spearheaded so much. And so, if you're in a position like me where you didn't have that network and you didn't have that experience, you need to go out and seek someone that does and is already well-respected in that community um, and get them to be some kind of advisor, board of director, give them equity in the company to like help you succeed in that way so you can go out and raise that money. Because just like everything, raising money is all about relationships and you can get into a lot more rooms if they know who referred you and, and that kind of stuff rather than just a cold application. Mm, yeah. Um, so like um, any any recommendations or any ways actually they can they can start to reach out, like, for example, through some incubation programs or 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 maybe just make use of LinkedIn, they contact try to connect with like my people. Sure. Yeah, you need to know exactly what you're going for, or what you're looking for in the sense of like, um, say you're looking to raise money in mm. the film space, the film and tech space, right? And you're looking to raise like $500,000. Then you want to find angels that are in the film and tech space that invest that amount of money on a regular basis and that are part of, you know, organizations and whatnot. And you want to reach out to those folks. So just like any kind of sales and prospecting, you need mm -hmm. to know who your target customer is. In this sense, it's your mentor that you want to tar like uh, work with you. But you need to know exactly what kind of industry, the amount you're raising, where they're located, if they're local, all, if they have any affiliations, and then target those people, put together a prospect list, reach out to them on LinkedIn or find mm -hmm. ways to connect with them. Um, if they're part of a, a local accelerator or an incubator that you're part of and they have connections with them, see if they can make an intro, do what you can. But it really starts with you identifying who those people are first. And that just comes from cold, hard research and, and LinkedIn and other sources. Um, so, hmm, yeah, that's that's a really great advice for them. Um, you mentioned about like um, you start to to build your your start, your second startup uh mm -hmm. using some local tools and and you start to learn from it and so is it like um very challenging experience or or how you start 
Yeah, I mean, it was scary, right? Like I was a non-technical founder. I didn't think I could code. I didn't think I was smart enough to learn how to code. Uh, but in re all reality, we just ran out of money and the, the mm. business was going to die if I didn't learn how to build it myself. Right. Mm. And that's something that I, I just, I recommend to every founder now is you need to be able to do every role of the company. Um, mm. and, and I'm not saying that you actually like physically every day need to execute it, but when those bad days come, you need to be able to step into any role execute it to keep your company alive right mm. and if we're building tech companies and we as founders don't actually know how to build the tech then you're like you you're stranded on an island mm. where you're relying on everyone else to get you through that storm and and in reality it needs to be you because you're the founder no one's going to love or have enough passion or energy for your startup like yourself and and when you run out of money you need to be able to bet on yourself to I'm um, sit down and I'm going to code my way through this. If, if that's the problem I need to solve. Right. Mm. And so I was forced into the situation of like, well, I either learn how to code or I just stop the startup. I still believe in the startup. I still am running the startup today. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to code. And so mm. I picked a uh, bubble to learn how to code because I was looking for a language where I could get up and running quickly. Mm. Uh, and also a language where, I could learn one language rather than, you know, we were coming from a Microsoft stack that had about 10 different languages that we were using. And I knew that if I had to learn all 10, it would have taken me forever. But with Bubble, I could learn one language and just do it all full stack database to UI, right? Mm -hmm. And also with Bubble that I really liked is you could scale with it to that enterprise market, which I was really interested in because I wasn't looking to learn a, a language where I couldn't scale with, right? Uh, because mm. why build for something that you just have to rebuild in six months? Um, and so Bubble hit all of those um, needs for me. And I, I took my first course, um, took lesson by lesson, one step at mm. a time. It was hard. It was a big learning curve. Um, but I finished my first course. I built my first application. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And like mm. I just started feeling empowered and confident. Um, and then I kept going. And I, I started to rebuild some of the app that I needed to build mm -hmm. for my startup to practice my skills. And I just kept doing it. I kept doing it until the point where I was like maybe six months in and I was like, I could do this. And like I had the yeah. confidence to do it. And then at that point as a founder, for the first time, I felt like I was totally in control, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because before I never felt like that because I wasn't in control. I couldn't control the tech, which was our product that we were selling as a tech startup. Right. And so mm -hmm. if you can't control your own product, I mean, it's you can't control your own business, essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and not only that, but because it costs so much to build with these engineers, we didn't build very basic things like admin dashboards and KPI analytics and all that kind of stuff. We needed to, like, manage the business on an ongoing basis to see the business health and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, our churn, our growth, our MR all that kind of stuff we didn't really have any insights into because we just didn't have the money to pay the engineers to build something that wasn't critical for the mm -hmm. business in the sense of growth. Right. And yeah. so, but now as a founder that could build it all, um, you know, I'm hopping on customer service calls and in a low code environment like bubble, it's so much quicker too, where it's like, I'm on a customer service call and I'm deploying updates during that call mm -hmm. to fix the bugs right and before yeah. it'd be like hey 
a week or two, give us maybe three weeks to get you this simple thing uh, fixed. And all of a sudden it's like bugs done. Let's move on to the next problem. Bugs done. Let's mm -hmm. move on to the next problem. Oh, this feature, that's not great. All right, well, let's try it like this. Let's move on to the next problem. And so the speed mm -hmm. of no code and low code just gave me the ability to move much faster than I ever have. And as a now single founder, I needed all the time in the world that I could get, mm -hmm. right? And so the yeah. speed that I, the, the ability that I was able to move with the quickness that I was able to move with no code. Now I was able to save and put back more time on my plate to do more of the business side of it and to really focus mm -hmm. on the business. And so after learning bubble and no code for the first time, I felt empowered. I felt like I could do whatever I needed to do for the company. And I also felt like for the first time, really ironic, but that you, the business needed to be first because for so long it was just, Let's try to find a way to make the tech work and then we'll make the mm -hmm. business work. Right. And it's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. The, we need to make the business work and then the tech will follow whatever it needs to be. But let's just make the business work rather than saying, well, we can't make the business work because we don't have money to build all this kind of stuff. It's like, let's just make the business work. And then we as a technical yeah. founders and technical team yeah. members can build it all. So, yeah, that's really cool. And but I, I guess some 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 people may say uh, or think that so why why don't you find um um technical background co-founder so so he take care of the technical things and then you do the business. So do you think about it or what why you have these decisions? I try to find a CTO for two years, three years, I, mm -hmm. I always wanted to find one. Like that was always my goal is to find one, yeah. but I could never find one that would work for equity for free. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, because, yeah. um, and we, we had an interim CTO that we were paying a lot of money, but he wasn't working for free and wouldn't work for free when we ran out of money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I was just never lucky enough to find that partner when we got started where they could be the CTO, I could be the CEO and we can go together. Um, mm. I just never had it. I was just a solar founder, always searching for CTO, but man, they're hard to come by. Um, they're expensive. Yeah. The time is limited. You're relying on them completely. Um, it, it's really tough. And so if you're one of the lucky few that can start a startup with a CTO mm. and a CEO in place, I think that's fantastic. I still think though, that's that CEO needs to be able to build as well. Because mm -hmm. there are going to be times where both of you just need to go heads down and build. And there might be a time where that CTO leaves and it will leave you without knowledge of your own product if that time ever comes. And so I still think that if you're going to build a tech startup, even if you're the CEO and you have a CTO, you should also know how to mm -hmm. build it too. Uh, because you need a plan for all scenarios to de-risk it as much as possible. Mm, yeah. Um, so so actually how, how much um time you spend to to really learn bubble from zero and then you you master the the skills two years mm -hmm. yeah and i'm and i'm still mastering that but within the first six months i was able to build what i needed to build for business purposes right mm -hmm. so yeah. i was up and running building business applications within the first six months they weren't good though, but they would have, they would have worked, right? If I would have gotten users and all that kind of stuff, they would have worked a year in, I launched our MVP. It was a whole rebuilt SaaS solution. I launched it, uh, and it got paying users and it still has paying users. Um, and, and now over the last year, I've been launching more startups as a lot in addition to that. 
Um, mm-hmm. And now working as a full-time dev and also teaching it, I'm doing like 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. doing about 60 hours a week for the last six months in bubble. Um, yeah. And I, uh, <laughs> I'm getting pretty good at it right now, you know? Yeah. And so like, the thing is, is like, I, I was six months ago when I got hired full-time as a bubble developer, I was mm-hmm. good. And then I spent another six months, 60 hours a week in bubble. And now it's just like, now I'm getting really good. Right. And it's just mm-hmm. like, so it's a long way to say you can get up and running very quickly, but mm-hmm. like anything, like any other skill, it's going to take you time to really master it. You got to put in that 10,000 yeah. hours, but you can still get up and running quickly for business purposes. Um, and the speed that you can move with it is just unparalleled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so like, because I, I heard about you, you actually you need to do a lot of things like developing the, the solution, handling the, the business or, or like the customer service, you need to talk directly with so the much. customer and yeah, learn about their, their will pain point. So how do you have some tips on how you can better manage your time or, or how you allocate your time on different kind of things because I th- I guess um a lot of things is very very important for for you as well. Yeah, I've had a tough time with this one, right? Because I'm so ambitious and I and I want to do so much, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that I can do so much. And mm-hmm. now being a builder in Bubble, you know, I I launched a whole startup in one weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, from start to finish, I built the whole tech startup and launched it. And when you're able to build a tech startup that quickly, it's like incredible. But then it's like, well, now you need to market it. Now you need to Mm. do sales and you need to like operate it. Right. And so like sometimes being able to build as fast as I can build now, it's just like, well, I'll just do this. I got to, you know, this sounds like a good idea. Let's just launch this startup, but you're Mm. literally just launching a startup. Right. And so there are many times where it's like, and, and I'm actually going through the process now where my life is very, very busy. And I'm mm. trying to find the things that I spend time on that don't deliver the amount of results that I'm looking for, right? Mm. And the results yeah. are not just monetary. It's also happiness. It's it's yeah. branding. It, it's all kind of mixed in together. But still, I'm looking at all of my activities because I, I do a lot. And I'm just like, well, what are the things that I can still cut out and reinvest in other places, right? And so, one, mm. you need to look at your life to see the efficiency, what you can do. And then two, before you start endeavors, you need to be very realistic in the sense of, well, can I operate and fulfill these endeavors, right? And if Mm -hmm. not, don't even start them because they're going to become one of the things that you're going to need to get rid of because they're not driving the efficiency or the the success that you would need to keep that into your life, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think a good example is like right now with No Code Alliance, it's a a startup that I spun up in a weekend and Mm -hmm. it is a... um, no code marketplace where you can list yourself as a no code developer and other people can go in and hire you. But also mm-hmm. we have real time salary insights so people can see what the market wage is for each of no code tools and whether it's an hourly or a salary and all that kind of stuff in, in effort to make the market more transparent. And there mm-hmm. are a million things that I can launch for that company. Like I have a product board like very long and I could physically build them all. Right. And uh-huh. I'm not money is not a problem. It's just each of those things will take a certain amount of time for me to execute that I don't have right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I could find a weekend to build all those things, 
but I wouldn't be able to operate them. You know what I mean? And so I'm being very, very specific with what I do and what I start right now. And I'm triple checking everything to make sure that if I am going to start anything new, that mm -hmm. I have a really good plan in place that has been de-risked, that I can operate it for a, a sustainable amount of time to see it through. And that, you know, it's going to be worth my while kind of thing mm. because my time is just so limited now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, how you see the, the future development of, of local, like in terms of um, maybe for the audience, they, they want to um, have a new career as a local developer, or they may, they may want to start their own business with using the, the local to build their solutions. So how, how yeah. you see the future development of local? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a really exciting question. So like everything, there's a tool for the job, right? Like you mm. can't just take a, a shovel and, and rebuild a house, right? Like there's a tool for every job, right? And so when you're building your technology, you need to figure out what kind of tools you need for your technology, right? Mm. Bubble satisfies a lot of those tools but it might not satisfy all bubble does have some weaknesses in the sense of if you need to create millions of rows of data in, in a, a couple of minutes it's probably not mm. best for that right but yeah. if you're looking to put up a um like an e-learning platform where you know you have like a community and videos and engagement man it's great for that you know or if mm. you need to put up a, a SaaS solution where you have invoicing and invoice uh, and payments and um, CRM management. It's great for that. So like you need to understand the technology and what it's good for and what it's bad for. Right. And, mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that you're leveraging it as much as possible in a good use case. But with that being said, I mean, I'm extremely bullish on no code and low code. Mm -hmm. I, I have kind of seen this happen where coming from the film industry, 10, 20 years ago, we were all shooting on 35 millimeter cameras, right? Like actual mm. film cameras. Like that was the thing, right? It was the yeah. best quality and every studio, every commercial, everything was shooting on film. And then one day digital cameras were introduced, but digital mm. cameras at that time, the quality wasn't as good as film, but the convenience that digital cameras offered, the speed that it offered, which is superior to that of original film. And so mm. slowly as the quality got closer and closer to 35 millimeter film people would just started going and shooting digital because the convenience the speed everything outweighed maybe a little bit more performance gain that you could see with with 35 millimeter to the point where it actually is digital is actually just better than 35 millimeter today right mm -hmm. and i think that's exactly what's happening with traditional code and no code right now where traditional mm -hmm. code is 35 millimeter and, and then we have, you know, traditional code here and no code just about right here. And yeah, there yeah. is a bit of a quality, but the speed, the convenience, the business convenience that this provides makes it mm. up there. And I, and I do think that the quality will also get past there eventually. And I think we're seeing that happen now in this industry. And, and I just think it's the best time to get a part of no code and low code. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's booming. The whole industry is booming. There's, tons of new jobs is not enough developers to fill all these jobs so there's a huge mm. su supply and demand problem in the sense that a lot of employees recognize how much faster they can move and thus money they can save by going with no code and are mm. desperately trying to find these developers to hire but there's not enough of them right now and so um it's a really exciting time for the industry where 
you know, like just the other week we were doing an operation mm -hmm. within bubble and we built it all and it was great. And then bubble the same, the next day was like, Hey, we just made this eight times faster. And we we're mm -hmm. like, we didn't have to change any technology. We didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Bubble just made things eight times faster, you know, and that's just going to keep happening as they, you know, realize their hundred million dollar investment that they raised earlier. And so I think, you know, when you're in an ability where you build technology and then overnight they make it better for you every single night and, and you just see that improvement, it's just a great place to be right now, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. But like for, for the beginner, so um, what is your advice for them? Like if they want to start to learn about it or start to to experience or try whether it is good for them. So um, what's your suggestion? Like start with some uh, watching some YouTube video, or, or they just find one too, and and then do something. So yeah, what is your your suggestion for them? It depends on what type of learner you are, and also mm. the resources you have, right? Like I I learn best with a live instructor, but when I was getting started, I wasn't ready to make that investment to take a boot camp because boot camps are a little bit more money, right? Yeah. And so I went the more affordable route and I, and I found a course on Udemy um, and it was literally $15. And I took that course. I was like, I, I have nothing to lose. It's $15. Like if I, if I don't do that, if I can't learn this because I'm not smart enough, it's fine. Right. And so I started there and I took that course and then I just fell in love with it and got passionate and I just self-taught myself from there. But some mm -hmm. people might not be able to take that route in the sense of, have extreme accountability for themselves and to keep practicing. And if that's the case, I would definitely re recommend to take a boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, and Bubbles Boot Camps, they really are great. And they're, you know, like a five or six to one ratio with you and the instructor and students. And like it's really hands on and and they're normally four weeks long and you have two sessions a week. And by the end of that mm -hmm. four weeks, you'll know what if you want to be a bubble developer or not. And you also know how to build apps and build stuff in bubble. Right. And so if you're thinking about starting a business, if you're thinking about, you know, learning this technology, I would recommend going with the bubble bootcamp route because mm -hmm. it, that instructor will be able to answer so many questions that you have that will expedite your journey five times faster and then put you into a place where you have a, a lot more resources rather than just starting by yourself and going on YouTube, which you certainly can do. You can go on Bubble. They actually have a lot of how-tos themselves on Bubble. They have their form. Mm. They have a tremendous amount of online resources. So it really just depends on the type of learner you are and how quick you want to learn and pick up those skills. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So um, for the audience, so if you have any questions, just feel free to put in the chat or you can see this Q&A box so you can put your question there as well. So um, when actually when, when we talk about learning or, or starting something new and usually um, for, for, for the learner, um, we will feel frustration like mm -hmm. because maybe there's something difficult or something new for them. So um, how, how you keep motivate yourself to, to learning something new or, or facing the, the obstacle? Like, for example, in, in, in the bubble debug development, maybe some, some function is, is difficult for, for you as well. So how, how yeah. do you motivate yourself? It's a good, that's a good question. I think, I think a lot of it is just 
I am very passionate about it and like I want to be doing it right. And I've also grown up as a a, a competitor. I was always an athlete and I, I do want to be the best of the best. And I feel like I found my 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 area, my community, my niche, right? Like I feel like this is where I meant to be in the sense of I've always wanted to be able to create things. I've always wanted to build things yeah. and and I'm a and then I'm a Diaz guy. And so being able to have these skills is just so powerful and, and and awesome and so i just get addicted to the fact of like i want to learn more i want to be able to build more and i want to be able to mm. do be the best right and so that's the kind of stuff that motivates me and drives me forward and then the simple part of it in the sense that you know i've surrounded my life to be in a place where everything is kind of bubble in the sense that mm. you know my full-time job is building right and so there's uh, a lot of times where i don't know how to build things and so i got to go out and learn it because that's my job right mm, and so yeah. i'm encouraged to that way and then when i teach sometimes my students ask me stuff that i don't know and and i got to go and figure it out right or we learn stuff mm -hmm. together and so i'm learning that way too and then in my community i run a slack group for bubble developers where we 24/7 just ask each other questions and help each other people asking questions that I don't know. And I, I help there too. And then on Twitter, mm -hmm. I have a good pr Twitter presence. People are asking questions or trying to problem solve together. And we, we do it there too. And so what I'm trying to say is like my daily activities of, of work and coaching and community and Twitter, I am surrounded by so many awesome like-minded people that are mm -hmm. asking questions that are providing education that kind of make it easier for me to continue to push myself because that's who I'm surrounded by you know? Mm. And so that also gives me motivation to see, oh, this person just built this. That's so cool. I want to go build it. Or this person just taught me this. I want to go try it now. Or I just learned this in my job. Let's do this. Or let me show you what I just built at my job. Like mm. all that synergy comes together in so many ways. And it like helps me go forward faster, I believe. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So, so, um, do you think, um, it is good to, to stick in one tool because there's um keep, a lot of tools yeah a lot of tools yeah. and and like maybe every day there is something new in the market also so do you think it is better to stick in one tools or it depends like we can have a lot of tools and also try everything and then maybe in different situations you you pick different tools for you yeah it's a good question you know like there's a lot of great tools out there there's, and some tools are better for the job than others. Right. So I think it goes back to my original point of you need mm -hmm. to find the best tool for what you're trying to do. Right. That's, mm -hmm. that's the starting point. And then once you find that, I would suggest going all in on it because it does take a bit to learn it. Right. And, and you want to build good technology and in order to build good technology and get to that place where you're building it really quickly, you just need to practice. And if you're mm -hmm. practicing on five different tools, it's just going to take you forever to get to that point where you'd want to be with that one tool. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would suggest. I think it's just best to go all in on one thing. Once you've known that that one thing is where you want to be. So mm -hmm. just like university, you take classes at the beginning to figure out what you like. And then once yeah. you really like, like it, you pick your major and you go all in on it. Right. And I think that's mm -hmm. what you need to do with no code. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I think and um, and other questions. Um, I think it's more more for the because our our audience is, is um some of them are, are like um 
university students or, or they they are going to to start their career so um how you see the the current COVID situation or challenges for them and how they can better prepare themselves because like maybe when when a few years ago when they when they start learning or or studying in the universities and actually maybe at, the, at this time the market can be totally different or there's more yeah. opportunity or new challenges so what do you think they can better prepare themselves yeah you know i there are definitely more challenges right and but there's also more opportunity in the sense mm. that you know remote work is way more prevalent than it was now than what it was two years ago right and with the ability of going remote that means you now have access to a lot more opportunities because those opportunities are remote right mm. and that instead yeah. of just finding opportunities in that local city everyone's taken remote and so it, it really opens up the, the field for what kind of opportunities you can find and mm -hmm. where you want to be. And with everybody being so online these days, you know, it's, it's almost more advantageous where you, you figure out where you want to be online and you're, you undoubtedly can go out and reach out to those people and, and contact mm -hmm. them. And not everyone's going to say, yeah, come work with me, but there's enough where you can continue to contact hundreds or thousands of yeah. people until you find a yes. And because it's all online and, the, and it's remote, you have that opportunity, whether if, if it was just in your city, maybe there were just six companies that were doing what you're doing. And if you didn't yeah. get an internship at any one of those six, you, but now it's like there's 6,000 all online, right? Yeah. Go find one of those 6,000 now. And so I think it's really important to leverage, um, you know, just online activity in the sense of you need to know exactly what you want because you need to know what what you're fishing for like when you go fishing you know you could use a ton of different bait but that mm -hmm. bait is dependent on what kind of fish you're going for right and yeah. if you're fishing with worms you're not going to catch a shark right and so you need to know exactly where you're going and who you're going after again going back to the prospecting list of finding your mentor you mm -hmm. need to use the same ability as strategy now of find exactly who you're going after what company what industry what size where are they located contact them participate with them be involved in their network or their area and and you'll find opportunity within that space um just by being persistent and and making it happen right and so yeah i think now is yeah it's, it's terrible that we've had this pandemic for the last two years but i think mm -hmm. a lot of opportunity has come from it um and it's it's more on you now than ever to go out there and make it happen um, be, with everything being online. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that like even seems the, the job market changed a lot. But yeah, as you said, it opened a lot of new opportunities for them as well. Yep. So um, yeah, so I think I think um, the time is running out and, and thanks a lot for your sharing today. So do you have last few works or last few nights for for the audience you can sure. share with them yeah yeah i think one of the special things about my current journey is that i'm so passionate about it like i i really want to do it right like mm -hmm. the fact that i get paid to build you know like i do is just incredible right and so you got to find something that you love really because mm -hmm. that's that's 
that's what's going to give you the energy, the passion to really put in the hours that you need to put in to be successful, right? And when you find something that you love, where I, I love what I was doing in the film industry, and now I love what I'm doing now. And when you find that, it's really a special combination. So take your time, try to really try a lot of different things out until you do something where it's just like, man, this is fun. Right. Mm. And if that thing that's fun could be your job, like how cool would that be? Right. And like yeah. you want to be in that position where it's like, I would love to spend 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day doing this. And heck, I'm going to get paid good money too. That's even better. Right. And so mm. find something you love. Hopefully it's within an industry that's growing and that it, you can monetize. Right. And if it, and if it isn't, Maybe that thing that you love is your hobby. And then you find another thing that you love that mm -hmm. is in an industry that is growing, that has potential that to launch your career with it. Right. Like, so depending on your goals and whatnot, it all comes back to essentially finding what you love first and then picking it from there. Mm, yeah. That's totally true. Yeah. If, if you can find your passion or find your, the things you, you love to do, actually it, it will help you to to solve a lot of difficulties and and barriers and just go to the the direction you want to go so um yeah thank you so much for your time today jj and and it is really great and inspiring sessions for the for the audience and yeah have a i think it is an evening for you so um nine o'clock yeah yeah thank you thank you for yep. your time today and yeah. yeah bye have a great one bye yeah bye bye